it had become apparent to me that I was in an abusive relationship, an abusive marriage. And I had seen all of these signs over the years, but I had chalked them up to the stress of a long-term, long-distance relationship and really naively thought that it, you know, once we got to the same place and we, everything would be fine. And instead it escalated, escalated during the pandemic. It escalated during my cancer and something pretty egregious happened the night before my last cancer treatment. And I thought if this is how someone treats the person that they supposedly love more than anything else in the Mm -hmm. world, while that person has cancer, I cannot grow old with him. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to the episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Emily. Happy Monday and welcome back for another episode. The tea is piping. With Joe and Sophie. It's yes. apparently not Jover yet still. Like I thought it was. I thought Joe put this all to rest at the Dodgers game, but apparently that's not the case. So there's still stuff like that's been going on. And it's just like, honestly, so... I felt like something was going to happen because recently um, Sophie was seen getting dinner um, at Via Carota in New York with Taylor. I know and that like picture was iconic. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I know that they're friends and everything, but I was just like, oh, God. I mean, I just thought of the uh, think of me, think of these with your ex-wife. I know. <laughs> that, song, that song has been like trending behind that photo and I'm like, oh. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and they also like both dated Joe on top of that, but I just it's so weird that this is like all so public and maybe that's just like I haven't really cared about anybody like any other celebrities divorce if I'm being completely honest. Um and like I stand by saying that I feel like this is like this generation's like Brad Pitt and for Aniston divorce cuz I feel like we're just like I don't want to say it and jinx it, but I'm just like, are we like one step away from saying that like Joe Jonas cheated on Sophie Turner or something? Like, gosh, I really, really, really hope not. Like, uh, like are we just like one Kevin Bacon away from that happening? <laughs> like, I don't understand. But um, no, this I mean, this got leaked from TMZ today. It was like um, a statement attributed uh, to a representative for Joe Jonas um, and. I'm going to briefly summarize it because it's like kind of long. I don't want all the gals to like have to listen to all this. They really don't care. But um, one of the things it said was, after multiple conversations with Sophie, Joe initiated divorce proceedings in Florida, as Florida is the appropriate jurisdiction for this case. Sophie was aware that Joe was going to file for divorce. The Florida court has already entered an order that restricts both parents from relocating the children. Sophie was served this order on September 6, 2023, more than two weeks ago. Um, Joe and Sophie had a cordial meeting this past Sunday in New York when Sophie came to New York to be with the kids. They had been with her since that meeting. Joe's impression of the meeting was that they had reached an understanding that they would work together towards an amicable co-parenting setup. Less than 24 hours later, Sophie advised that she wanted to take the children permanently to the UK. Thereafter, she demanded via this filing that Joe hand over the children's passports so that she could take them out of the country immediately. If he complies, Joe will be in violation of the Florida court order. 
and Joe is seeking shared parenting with the kids. So they are raised by both their mother and their father. And of course, okay with the kids being raised in both the UK and the US, which like if we're just side note, that's that's not a possible... I don't see how that's a possible thing, how they're both... I mean, the parent trap is a real thing. Um, like, not like they're breaking up the kids, but it, what are they going to do? Like, go to one school for half the year and go to another school for the other half the year? I mean, unless they're homeschooled. Yeah. And, like, like, they it, have a traveling <laughs> teacher. Yeah, because, like, it's either that or if they go to school, like, someone gets them for the school year and someone gets them for the summer, and that's an equal time, so... Like, they... You would have to be homeschooled. You would have to have a traveling teacher. And then you'd have to pick which country's curriculum you're going to follow because they're both... I mean, how British schools are set up versus how American schools are set up. Like, they don't have high school. They don't have middle school. That's not a thing. They have a... You know, it's just completely different. So it it all goes into that. Um, But some outlets have been using the word, like, abduction because, like, even though they're not divorced... A parent still can't take kids away from another parent. It is illegal. Um, if you don't believe me, look up the Kelly Rutherford case that happened, the, a.k.a. Serena Vanderwood's mom, when she tried to do that with her kids um, and take them away from her husband. Even though, like, he had, like, there was, like, no reason to. Like, there was nothing. It's not like it was an abusive situation. That's why she's taking the kids away. It was just, like, quote-unquote kidnapping, basically. It's still a thing, even if they are your parent. Um Basically, uh, like Joe's already disavowed any and all statements from made on his behalf that were despairing of Sophie and they were made without his approval and are not consistent with his views. He wishes that Sophie reconsider her harsh legal position and move forward in a more constructive and private manner. Basically, Sophie wants to move, allegedly move the divorce proceedings to the UK and to remove the children from the US permanently. But they can't do anything because it would then be in violation of the Florida judge and someone would go to jail. And so then the lawsuit happened. And first of all, I hope this is not their public address because some lawyer published the, which they're all public files, especially like the, um, the draft of the lawsuit and it has like their addresses like on it and it's just like publicly like on like twitter and i'm like i hope it's not their real address and that's like an office or something or like a po box or something like whatever something because i'm like that's like not safe um but his rep confirms that the kids were with her in new york where she was spotted when she was spotted with taylor joe also has said that that sophie was aware he was going to file for dissolution following many conversations so it's not like blindsided because there's also like people saying that like she found out through the media and like Mm. like that he was filing for divorce which i'm not gonna sit there and like try to like write that off as like that is true that's fucked up like but this is also the man that says he dumped taylor swift on a 27 second phone call um so uh, we know he doesn't have a great track record of ending relationships, but that doesn't no. mean that he did it this time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm also not going to sit here and defend a 32-year-old man at the same time. Um, but I think it's really, I just, I, I, I am so shocked that this is so public because none of their marriage was ever this public. And I wonder if it's solely because they're on tour. Like they are like, 
they are in cities every weekend doing this tour and like people have such like if she's not there then like there's there's chit like well, chit chat going it's on. It's not about even it. that. It, like it's coming from supposed reps of him. So I'm like, did you hire these people newly, or is people within his like farm of you know team members that like uh, uh, the George Bush as a whole that whole farm team, like it's someone in there that is speaking to the press, not in representation for him just as a close source that wants to get a quick cash grab by leaking something to TMZ. Because that's always the case, too. I mean, that is literally, and not that I'm saying that this is a, you know, a good thing to do, but it is kind of smart. Uh, Kim Kardashian, when she had, like, North, she sent every single person a different photo of North so that if it got leaked to the public, she knew who leaked it. And, like, Ooh. it's low-key kind of genius. It never got leaked, but, like, I mean, if you send a different photo, you're going to know who's who. And so I just think that somebody is just trying to get a quick cash grab. I don't know who. I don't know why. Um, especially, it's just very uncharacteristic. And I'm not picking any sides. I have, like, no idea, like, who is in the right, who's in the wrong. Like, we know nothing. But I'm just in awe, and I just don't think that this is going to go down. I was hoping, like, after the Dodger show, it was going to be, like, a more graceful, like, putting it to bed. We've, we're ending this now, and we're moving on with our lives. No. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, Sophie has been very smart in staying quiet this whole time, and wouldn't shock me if she got that advice from Taylor. <laughs> Honestly, probably. It'll be interesting. So I'm I'm going to see them not this weekend, but next week. It'll be interesting if like there's anything new coming out or so, if he says anything. I have a friend that's going to the DC show tonight and mm-hmm. there's been rumors that it might get canceled because of all the drama that's going on. Oh my gosh. And like she lives here in LA. The girl's already gone to 10 shows. Like she doesn't need to go to anymore. <laughs> but I was like... This is, like, I would be so pissed if I flew all the way for that. But at the same time, like, I, I, I understand, like, all this is going on. How do you go out there and perform? I mean, the man was literally a puddle while trying to perform Hesitate at the Dodgers show. They should have just cut that one from the set list. <laughs> Let him just have, just not sing it. We would have known. Because they, they sing oh, yeah. every song. So I'm like, we would have noticed. Because I did notice when they didn't sing one song. I noticed it. I called it out, and I was like offended by it. But um, yeah, I, I am interested to see what's going to unfold by the time this episode comes out. This episode will come out like, like in a couple days, and I'm curious yep. if anything's going to happen within that yeah. time frame. So stay tuned. I guess that's all I can say. I know. I know. Mm. What I, ha- I really your- do hate it for him, though. For sure. Yeah. yeah. What has been your captivation, though? So I have this pet peeve of like when drinks sweat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when they get that condensation on the side and it's like all wet and you have to like wipe it off. Like the Starbucks cups. You know what I'm talking about? How I mean, like they get yeah. this. No, no, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's basic chemistry and physics. Yeah, it's um, really, I'm just it's gonna- <laughs> really frustrating and I hate it. So to fix this, I, so it's really funny. The girl that actually um, designed our podcast logo, All Things Lillian, Lillian, 
she has created these cute designs for coffee cup koozies. And so I grabbed three from her store and I used one today and it was glorious. It was not sweaty. I did not feel the condensation. Wait. So they are, you, are like, it's like koozies did you, for coffee no, no, cups. I, did you put it like on your Starbucks cup? Yep. Does the paper one that they give you not? Oh, I don't ever get a paper one with iced coffees. They never put those on. But mine. you can ask at the same time, right? Yeah, but so my issue is that or like. Or is it like, is it like, like it leaves does, the is there ring. a bottom? You know how it like, yes, there's a bottom. You know how it like oh, leaves okay. the ring? No, it's literally like a can koozie made for coffee cups. She has a small and a medium and the small fits like grandes. Grandes at Starbucks and smalls at Dunkin' and the medium fits like a medium Dunkin' and uh, venti Starbucks. But other people have been putting like other things in there. But she had some really cute designs. I got one that says like, oops, I got another coffee. I got one that says like, let's go do fall stuff with a cute little pumpkin and then some cowboy boots, which I thought was really fun. So that is my captivation. If there's a bottom, yeah, that makes more sense. Because I thought you were just talking about a sleeve. I'm like, don't Oh, no, 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 no. Can't you already get one for free? (laughs) Yes, yes. If you need a free sleeve, go for it. Um, (laughs) But no, this is like, it like, like you like literally put it in and there's a bottom. And it's it's really cool. Um, When I saw it, I was like, oh, I need this. This is like everything that I need. So I'm assuming it's bigger than a typical normal like beer can soda can koozie okay yes i'll send you Uh i'll send you her uh page of it they're really cute i was like i'm getting three they were like six bucks so i was like heck yeah this is totally worth it no and they're really cute so and we love lillian she's great and like her designs are always so cute and i think like her best design was like the gals guide um podcast cover you know i would also have to agree with that (laughs) statement um my nose ring and my hair was on uh, fleek like it was (laughs) wonderful it was great (laughs) It's great. It's great. Yeah, for what sure. Is, uh, what is your captivation? So this would usually be the time of year where I'm like, oh my God, Trader Joe's fall food is back. It's thriving. It's better than ever, which is true. However, my captivation is not one of their fall foods. It is one of their new foods, oh. but it's not fall. Okay. So I think like a couple years ago, they had their version of cookie dough. Yes. And I hated it. It was the worst. It was like, I, I don't know how it was. It was really, really small and it had really good chocolate chunks in it, but the cookies would never bake properly. No matter. And I tried thousands of different ways and it wasn't my oven's fault, but this was like years ago. They reformulated their cookie dough and it's now this gluten-free chocolatey chip cookie dough and they are massive Mm-hmm. One thing that you have to do is, have you had them yet? No, no I haven't okay. been to Trader Joe's yet so, with all the false stuff. So I, need I to will go. <laughs> say this cookie dough, you cannot eat it raw. I love raw okay. cookie dough. You cannot eat it raw because there's a huge glob, glob of butter in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be nasty. <laughs> so the point is like they, they are huge. I want to say they're the size of like almost the size of golf balls. When you take them out, you have to smash them down to flatten them out or else they are hella thick (laughs) when they bake. I did that the first time on accident and I was like, these are thick boys and they didn't cook evenly. So you have to like, I took like a spatula, you know, 
pressed them down flat and out and the butter just melts in the middle and makes it really gooey and soft mm. and they are delicious again they're huge so you don't get that many in the pack but, but like I, you got a big size cookie <laughs> yeah i want to say like you get like i think around nine in there but like mm. it's a good for like one batch kind of thing and i ate them all like in a weekend um, yes. so I need to go back and buy more because they were, they were just perfectly ooey and gooey and I liked that they were gluten free. Um, and so I didn't feel like bloated afterwards or anything. Like they were just perfect. And I think it has like milk chocolate and dark chocolate chunks in it. So you get mm. that really, um, it's not just like one note, which is what I really like about it. It's a really complex cookie dough. So that is my favorite. And of course, I mean, there's so much coming in at Trader Joe's right now that I'm just like obsessed with because of a fall. But yes, that yeah. sounds delicious. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. I've been having nice like dinners and like making cookies afterwards. Like I'm, I don't know who I am. I don't know why I think I'm Betty Crocker over here, but I'm like thriving. I'm enjoying it. It's been a great time. That's an elite night right there. <laughs> <laughs> But today's episode, we are so excited. We are talking with Nicole Christie. We are talking about resilience. And I want to say one person I feel like is really resilient, Sophie Turner. (laughs) Taylor Swift. Sophie Turner, Taylor Swift. We need to somehow, Blake Lively, we need to be in this circle, Emily. We need to be in this circle of people. I, I, girl, what do you think I'm doing at work? This is my goal. What do you think I'm doing? I've met all of Taylor's friends through work. What do you think I'm doing? I know you're you're working this for us. I'm one Kevin Bacon away from Taylor Swift. You really are. And yes, one of us has got to get it together in the next couple years. Like we gotta get it um, together. I'm too nervous to meet her. Like I like it's um don't want to meet your heroes kind of thing. I'm nervous, but I'm also like we're gonna vibe and it's gonna be great. So yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about resilience today, and I'm so excited that for you gals to hear Nicole and to really be inspired by this episode. I think it's really motivating, and it's really inspirational, and I think you gals will really enjoy it and resonate with it, but we, I think we've now hit 200 episodes, so that's insane to that think about. And I mean, if you want to hear all 200, feel free to check us out like on Apple, Spotify, wherever you stream podcasts. And while you're there, you can subscribe, leave us a dazzling review. It really helps us out, continues to let us grow, make more episodes. But we are going to do a couple of ad reads really quickly, and then we are going to get into Nicole's interview. Alrighty, gals. So joining us today, she is a writer, a podcaster, entrepreneur, including being the founder and CEO of Tula Productions and host of Here For Me podcast. Everyone, please give a round of applause and welcome Nicole Christie. Hello. How are you? Hello. I am well. How are you, ladies? I am doing, doing great. Good. Can't complain. <laughs> Excellent. It's a lovely Tuesday here <laughs> in LA, and we're so excited to have you on. I feel like we were saying before um, Nicole came on that you've been through a lot that we have actually covered um, quite a bit like on our podcast before, like in increments, but we never really have given mm-hmm. like deep into it. And that was one thing that we really wanted to do with you today because 
you we admire you like you are a strong cookie like you have a really (laughs) compelling story that we can't wait for the gals to to hear more from um but before we get into like all of that goodness one thing that we always ask our guests very top fresh off the head uh is what is something that you are just currently captivated by and just can't get enough of right now I am currently captivated by, um, I'm kind of on this like spiritual cosmos sort of journey. I am really interested in tarot. So um, I'm taking a tarot course uh, from Lindsay Mack. uh, It's called Tarot for the Wild Soul, which I learned of through Caroline D'Onofrio. She's Mm -hmm. a writer. She was on uh, the blog Cup of Joe for a long time. She's been on my podcast here for me. She has a great newsletter, Substack called Between a Rock and a Card Place, (laughs) uh, where she writes an essay. I think I've heard of that, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she does a little tarot, uh, sort of draws a card for the collective and kind of dives deep into it. So she recommended uh, Lindsay's course. So I have just really, I kind of started getting into this in January and have been really deep diving into tarot as a way to reflect on what I'm going through and get really introspective, which as a writer I'm a fan of that anyway as an introverted person I'm a fan of that anyway so I'm obsessed with tarot and I'm also um I so I'll give a shout out to Caroline and also um Kelly Henderson who is on the Vel who she has the Velvet's Edge podcast she recommended a book called Signs that I am absolutely obsessed with. I'm, I might get the, I think it's Laura Lynn Jackson as the mm-hmm. author, but it's basically about creating a language with the universe through signs and syn- synchronicities, which I'm also obsessed with that. things like numbers and butterflies and dragonflies. But how do you create a language with the universe on what's meaningful to you? Those are sort of default signs. So I'm reading that book right now. I sent it to my mom. I sent it to a couple of friends. <laughs> like, everyone. Um, so props everyone. to Kelly Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> she, that's, she recommended that to me. I can't take credit for it. But um, yeah, between tarot and the signs book, I'm just basically lost in the cosmos anytime I'm not (laughs) doing my own work. I I, I need that book because Mm -hmm. Hannah will tell you, we went to- The ladybug, right? So we went to New New York back in like May together for like our like annual girls trip. And the amount of um, like angel numbers, like repeating numbers I was seeing on that whole trip- she was like, what is going on with you? I was like, I don't know. Like 888 everywhere. Oh, yeah. And I love that Hannah was there for you because I feel like I experienced that a lot on my own. And then I tell people and they're like, um, you're looking for that or you're crazy. You're like, no, you need to be. I went on a vacation with a friend of mine. We went to uh, spring training in Arizona in March. And I was like, I'm so glad you're going to be with me because you have to see how crazy yes! this is. I'm going to show you every time it happens. And she was like, okay, okay it's officially, yes. I get it. Yeah, I get it's it. It's a thing. So, like, it is. Pe- some people think that like I'm over dramatizing it or something. And so I started actually like posting taking photos. It, taking photo of it. And I was like, this is proof. Like, this is proof yeah, how many times uh-huh. a day I'm seeing oh totally totally and i'll tell you another um thing i'm captivated with along those lines which is not signs and synchronicities but it's part of it um there's a woman who reads tarot on youtube and that sounds really stupid no 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 this woman i don't know if you know her name's baba jolie no i have not heard of her. but my friend jess give jess a shout out jess turned me on to baba jolie's readings they're so accurate that i actually think I might be the only person I think at when everyone listens, does this change? Cause it's so accurate, but she will call out signs and synchronicities to look for. And you'll think, when would I ever see that? When am I going to see a heart shaped padlock? When am I going to see, you know, the symbol for air with a triangle with a line through it? It has happened mm-hmm. constantly. You see these signs that this woman <laughs> shared. 
it's wild. wild. So yeah, no. there is uh, there's proof. I believe you. I believe you because I'm a, we're gonna go on a deep dive really quick on this. Um, <laughs> this is also this. an episode. I'm here this for is it. So now about tarot signs. <laughs> um, so when I apply, so I applied. I went to film school, and uh, when I went to go toward the campus. As I was like on the tour, a ladybug landed on my shoulder and I, and I was like, someone would try to get it off. I was like, no, it can stay. Like, it's fine. And then after I left my interview, cause we had to do like an interview process to get into the school. Um, there was a ladybug on top of my car and I was like, yeah. that is a sign that I am meant to be here. Like I fully believe yes. that. And then yes. I remember just like, there's different moments like different people on tiktok obviously that like i've seen talk about sure. like tic- um like signs and i remember uh seeing this one girl she was just like just ask like for something really simple really basic nothing like extreme and then ask to see mm-hmm. something and that's just a way to like yeah. grow your connection like with seeing signs in the that's universe it. and so i yeah. said something simple like I think it was something stupid like um this boy is going to ask me on a date and <laughs> if like I, I he's going to if I see like like a yellow uh yellow uh-huh. bumblebee and I was working yep. I, I was working that day inside so I was like the chances of me seeing a bumblebee are very mm-hmm. slim <laughs> I saw one on my friend's perfume bottle and I was like okay I'll take it like I'll take it like and did it happen? Yeah, it did. Did that relationship work <gasps> out though? Is that no. no. That doesn't matter. <laughs> you were asking to be asked on a date, not to get married yes, to this particular true. person. Yes, so, you know, it's totally fine. Um, you will love the book because she talks about that, like looking for signs that it's unlikely you're going to see them, which is okay. exactly what you did. Cool. Hannah, yeah. you also need that because Hannah <laughs> sees 666 everywhere. <laughs> listen do you look up the angel number meaning we did but i can't remember what it was off the top of my head but i like saw 666 the other day and i looked at my husband i was like we got to go buy a lottery ticket like i'm feeling lucky Uh we got the number six we won 150 dollars on a scratch off yep yep just do it just go with it yeah Yeah, sixes are my number (laughs) which is funny i really want a 666 necklace but i feel like that could be perceived in a very odd manner but you know it is what it is (laughs) i get you i feel you yeah but you can just correct people like like, it's it's not that that, i promise so i I have two i have two 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 because i see twos a lot too and yep 22 is my favorite number so but yeah, it's really funny. I'm like, like I send a, like my receipts. I mean, I kid you not, six sixty six or like, I mean, like in mine's eight eight eight. Yeah. Apparently at Chick Fil A, if you have like the total six six six, they'll like add something on for you. They don't for me. So I guess I'm just meant to have have that number, but. I don't mind I it. I don't it. mind it. You were you were scared at first, though. Well, I'm also an I'm, I'm also first. an yeah, Aries, so I'm kind of like, well, maybe I'm just supposed to be like fiery, and you know, it's fine. I will say that is one thing I liked about you, Nicole. Like, look, I went to go look at your website, and like down at the bottom of your Bio. about me, yes. you automatically list like your top three, and I was like, she's a Libra like sun. I, I love. Like, I'm a Libra moon, so like, I love. It. I love it. What, what oh, am I? Yeah. Libra, we, we're we're Libra rising. You're a Lib- yeah, uh, yeah. She's a Libra rising. I'm a Leo sun. I'm a Libra sun. Okay, mm. yeah. Libra sun, Pisces moon, Cancer rising. Okay, Ooh. okay. So you have a lot Which of water working I'm, with you. I was gonna say I'm basic water and air. I have a little bit of earth, but I'm basically an emotional train yeah. wreck. That's what my I, Libra sun, yes. Pisces moon, Cancer rising. Pisces. Yeah. I meanwhile I'm a Leo sun, Libra moon, and Libra mm-hmm. rising. So it's just. 
Ooh, you're firing. Yeah, it's a wildfire. What about you, Hannah? (laughs) Uh, Aries sun, Scorpio moon, Libra rising. Oh, I like that blend because you're balanced. (laughs) Fire, water, and air. I don't know if balanced is where I am currently, (laughs) but I'm emotional and fiery and spunky. You represent. That's what we're going to yeah, position. Exactly. At. Well, yes. this is great. I love this. I feel like I'm already connected to you. And I definitely felt that way too, like reading your story and like listening to your podcast, hearing like a lot of stuff that you've just been through. And I think when I think of your story, like the one word that really came to mind was resilience. And I, I would just love for you to share like what you want, like of your story to the gals so they can kind of like Mm -hmm. understand because you, I mean, you've been through a lot and you've conquered a ton, I think. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been about a, just a little, about a four year journey to this point. Um, Obviously there were many chapters before that, but what got me to this point really was um, it started in June of 2019 And uh, I was, uh, just for some context, I'd been in a seven and a half year long distance relationship with my then husband. Um, He was in Montreal, I was in Seattle. So for seven and a half years, we went back and forth between the two. We spent a lot of time together. We still spent about half of our time together. I worked for myself, so I would go out there for long stretches of time. I would go on the road with him. Um, And uh, and so he finally had gotten a position back in the States and we could be together. And we'd gotten married during that time and all of this. So, but we'd never lived under the same roof in the same city. Mm. So I'm in Seattle. He's in Montreal. We're getting ready to move to San Diego mid-June of 2019. And I was also working at Microsoft at the time. Every industry is stressful, but big tech is is pretty oh, crazy yeah. in its own way. So that was really stressful. And I was in a nine-month memoir writing program. I was at the end of that program getting ready to do my graduation reading and finishing my manuscript. So all of this was happening while we were coordinating essentially an international move. And I got something called hand, foot, and mouth disease, which children get. Nobody knows how I got it. Hannah's like, Hannah works with kids. I work with with kids. Oh, yeah. It's gross. Oh, my God. And (laughs) no one knows. Yeah. How I got it. I don't have kids. I hadn't been around kids. But I got this. And very quickly, um, I mean, it just went out of control. Mm. I went to the hospital, to the ER twice. I was sent home both times. The third time I went to the the ER, they uh, my CRP, my C-reactive protein was three times the average limit. There was so much inflammation in my body. And what had happened was I was having um, an autoimmune, stress-induced autoimmune response, and my body was attacking itself, oh trying to fight this very simple virus that's usually self-limiting and you're better in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I essentially went from having all these little spots on me to having target-shaped lesions all over my body and in my mouth. So for three weeks, my mouth was like bleeding and pussing. It was so disgusting. Um, I didn't eat for the better part of a week. I lost like eight pounds in a week and I was just so tremendously sick. So the third time I went, they're like, we have to admit you, get you on IV nutrients, hydration, IV meds, because I couldn't even take the meds they were sending home with me. Um, And I'm like, okay, I have to move to San Diego in eight days. So how long is this going to take? And they said, well, we basically need to make sure you can take your meds by mouth and then you can go. I was there for seven days <laughs> in oh, the hospital. I'd never been hospitalized like in my life since I'd been born. And, um, and yeah, so I'm released the day before we have to move. My husband dropped everything from trying to move from Montreal to get out to me. My parents come up. They, I was in Seattle at the time. They come up from Oregon 
And everybody's like, we got to get, just get her out and get these two on their way to yeah. San Diego. And the doctors were like, you're not going to San Diego. You have, oh, cause the sores were now open and starting to pus. Oh. And they're like, you're going to get a staph infection. You are going to your parents' house until this is healed over and it's safe for you to fly, which was ultimately mm. a couple of weeks. And as this started healing, um, first of all, it went so deep through so many layers of skin. It started to get into my connective tissue. I couldn't walk. I couldn't use my hands. It was so painful. Mm. And then as it was healing, and this is characteristic, Hannah will know this, of hand, foot, and mouth disease, <laughs> I lost multiple layers of skin. But it was really bad because of the severity of what I had. So my skin starts peeling off like gloves and no-show socks. All 10 toenails turn black and pop off. Wow. And it ultimately takes about nine months until from June, 2019 to March, 2020, until I looked normal again and I could walk normally and I could move normally. So the first nine months in San Diego, I was basically kind of useless. And, um, yeah. And then we get to March of, I was going to say, all- like- <laughs> oh, yeah. God. And I'm like, yay, I'm, I'm back at Pilates. Oh, I'm God. Friends. This is, yeah, this is great. We're here and we're settled into our new place. We had donated or sold almost everything each of us owned and just furnished our new house yeah. by ourselves. You know, just like we're starting fresh. This is so exciting. And March of 2020, the pandemic starts. A week after the lockdown in California, I notice my eyes watering a lot and I look in the mirror and I have a lesion on the inside <gasps> of my lower left eyelid. And I'm like, what is that? Oh my God. No one could see me for months because they're like, it's not life-threatening. Yeah. You don't oh my have gosh, COVID. Didn't think about- oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you're, I'm sitting there with this thing and it's growing out of control. Like it's growing really fast. And I just had an eye appointment like in January of 2020, which it wasn't found because it wasn't there. That's how quickly and rapidly this was uh, mm. growing and spreading. So I go to this oculoplastic surgeon who removes it, sends it off to pathologies, like 80% chance it's nothing, 20% chance it's cancer, 5% chance it's this one kind of cancer. Guess which one it was? That one. And I was in just complete denial. I was really angry. I was like, I already went through something rare when I'd had this skin thing and I was in the hospital. They were like two things. <laughs> um, one, there are about 200 cases of this oh in, in the literature. What happened to you? This this particular reaction to Coxsackie virus. Um, two, there was a 15% chance you were going to die. But we weren't going to oh. tell you that because you were on the verge of going septic. So that was awesome. <laughs> and now this happens. And so I'm, I, w- I was so angry. I asked for a second opinion on the pathology. I was like, there's no way that something else that's super rare has happened to me. I don't have any of the risk factors. I'm not an old man. I don't smoke. I didn't grow up in the sun. I'm from yeah. Seattle. Like, I don't know. None of this makes sense to me. Second pathologist confirms, yes, it's this form of cancer. So August of 2020, um, I go see an ocular oncologist in LA, Emily, um, because there are only 300 ocular oncologists in the world. So I have eye cancer, which I didn't even know was a thing. And there are none in San Diego. But we find there's a center of excellence up at USC Roski. And so I see my ocular oncologist. It takes a month to get in. So that whole month, I'm torturing myself. Sure. I lose 10 pounds from the stress. It's like I was forgetting to eat. I was just work. I was still at Microsoft yeah. working a stressful job during the pandemic and reading everything I can about this condition and educating myself. Ultimately, all of that ended up being three surgeries, surgery in September, six months of interferon or immunotherapy treatment, which I called chemo light. It wasn't an infusion. It was needled directly into my eye to deliver the medicine and also four times a day of interferon eye drops that cost $750 a vial <gasps> and had to be kept at 37 degrees. 
Um, and I was sort of grateful that I, it was the pandemic and I wasn't going anywhere. The traffic from San Diego to LA was fantastic. Let's find the silver linings in this. (laughs) And also I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, God, this could have taken five hours. And I'm not traveling for, for work. So I'm able to keep my eye drops, you know, that cost a bazillion dollars at the right temperature so that they work. Mm So six months of this, we have surgery in September, six months of immunotherapy mm-hmm. once a month up at USC. And I get to the end of it in February of 2021. And in the month from January to February, the monthly treatment, something had popped up in that spot. And so I go in and they see it in the MRI and I'm like, yeah, I can see it. And they're like, we have to operate again. And she said, I'm very concerned that if this has come back, which she was like, I'm pretty sure it's just scar tissue, but if it has come back, I have to operate in seven to 10 days to save your eye and potentially your life. And ocular oncologists don't use that language. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, a month later, um, I, well, I was supposed to be seven to 10 days. My husband brought COVID home (gasps) and gave his wife with cancer COVID. After I had asked him to be really careful so that I could qualify, because I was qualifying for the vaccine in mid-March in California, and I needed to have this surgery in a week. I'd booked it for a week. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to the gym, got COVID, brought it home, and we both got COVID, which pushed everything out a month. And then our cat died during that time. Oh, my God, not the cat. I didn't know about the cat. (laughs) This just, yeah, it was like all this happened on like February 24th. We got COVID early March. The cat died April 5th. I had my second surgery April 7th. And they confirmed, yes, it's back. And so now you have to go have this radical surgery where they removed half of my lower eyelid and also my tear duct and rebuilt everything. So I went to a different oculoplastic surgeon, world renowned in San Diego. I was so glad that I could have that treatment here. Um, And it was just, we'd been trying to avoid that because she had told me, you won't look like yourself. So I go into this going, great, what am I going to come out looking like? Um, And we also know, we we knew from the get-go that, you know, when she had first seen me in August, 2020, that it's wrapped around my tear duct, which all of this I thought was very interesting about the eye Am I seeing things clearly? You know, I really think about the metaphysical nature of things. And then when she said, it's not just the part that they removed, it's actually wrapped around your tear duct. The first thing I thought was how interesting that cancer has settled into the part of the body that is one of the ways that we express emotions, Mm. like the primary one, honestly, you know, your tear ducts. And that's where my cancer was. So yeah, ultimately, you know, that removed all of the cancer. (laughs) Um, My eye is pretty decent. I had one corrective surgery after that to to just some cosmetic stuff that happened from Mm -hmm. it. It was a totally normal side effect. But um, so we get to June of 2021. I'm declared cancer-free, final pathology. Everything is great. And I took that. Yes, I know. Kudos. It was such a, such a huge relief. Um, And so I took that summer off to just really think about what was next. And during my cancer journey, um, it had become really during the pandemic, but especially during my cancer journey, it had become apparent to me that I was in an abusive relationship an abusive marriage. And I had seen all of these signs over the years, but I had chalked them up to the stress of a long-term, long-distance relationship and really naively thought that it, you know, once we got to the same place and we, everything would be fine. And instead it escalated, escalated during the pandemic. It escalated during my cancer and something pretty egregious happened the night before my last cancer treatment. And I thought if this is how someone treats the person that they supposedly love more than anything else in the Mm -hmm. world, while that person has cancer, I cannot grow old with him. Mm. Yeah. So February, 2021, I go to the doctor the next day and they're like, we think your cancer might be back. Um, so that was the worst 18 hours of probably my entire life. Um, Reasonably so. Yeah. And then, 
Yeah. And then that, um, that was hard. So, but I, you know, I was like, I just need a summer to take a breath because 2019 was all about the skin. 2020 was all about the eye. 2021, I need to take a breath and I need to think about what's, what needs to change. I had also been kind of realizing during this journey, you need to align yourself with your purpose. I've always been a writer as it's my profession. It's what I love to do. Um, but I wanted to do storytelling in a different way. I wanted to start here for me. I just started thinking about it. And so I took 2021 that summer to really think about, okay, the marriage is an issue and the job, it's time to leave Microsoft. It's my second time at Microsoft and it's such a wonderful company. And they're always supportive of, you know, they always bring me back as a consultant and they're always a client, but I knew it was time to go and start my own mm-hmm. production company, my podcast. So yeah, I left in October of 2021 and took a few months off to just rest, enjoy the holidays, November to January of 2022, start the business. And in the meantime, I'm thinking in the back of my head, what's going to happen with the marriage? I also spent 10 months working with a therapist in LA who was able to work with virtually who specialized in narcissistic abuse recovery. And I started that in April of 2021, the month I had my two final surgeries. Um, And so I was like, okay, we need to just work with her, leave the job. Microsoft was super supportive. Think about what we're going to do. And then I knew that I would know when it was time to walk away from the marriage. And I still was hopeful. I mean, there was a, there was a moment in March of 2022 when we had a conversation and and kind of recommitted and were really honest with each other, but I still knew in my gut, I, there have been too many second, third, fourth chances. I don't think I have the energy for a fifth. Yeah. yeah. So I spent 2022, left therapy in January, spent that time letting this emotional toolbox that I had of how to deal with this person that I shared my life with, letting all of that just sort of sink in and integrate into my body. And then I, in March of 2022, went back to my Pilates studio because it was safe to do so from a COVID perspective. And I was healthy Mm -hmm. enough and beyond my cancer and said, I need to get into the best shape I've ever been in my life because I need my outsides to be as strong as my insides. And I know when I walk into that room to have this conversation with him, I need to have a backbone of steel that feels like that. So we did that. And then I knew in August of, it was almost a year to the date, a year ago today, um, I knew it's time, it's time to go. And it was just a matter of when. And so we went our separate ways in September and it has been a, almost a year since then of getting divorced, starting over on my own. I started the podcast a month after we split up, which I'd been producing for a few months, but started that and, you know, continuing working on my business and just really taking really, really good care of myself. It's been a very, a year, very focused on me, my needs, and just finding, you know, this path forward that feels really authentic for me. Wow. Like, just rehearing all of it is just so, (laughs) I mean, in a way, like, it's also like inspirational. I mean, because for me, for one, our podcast, we actually also started it, I think, like, Hannah, was it like two months or so, two or three months after I got out of a really narcissistic uh, relationship Mm. Uh, and um, very young, like 25 years old, like, and uh, it, it was definitely for the better and like allowed me to have like an outlet of some sort and everything. But I mean, the, the one main question, like I would love to know is just like, how are you managing your stress during Mm. all of that? And able to not, you know, just completely break down. Yeah. Um, I really 
focused on everything in sort of a phased way. And so while it was the skin, it was just the skin, you know, even though we were, we had just moved and I was working and all that, I was like, if that was the number one priority, just get through this, whatever just happened to you, healing from that was the number one priority. The same with the eye cancer. It's my number one priority is getting well, following my treatment, listening to my doctors, talking to my doctors, advocating for myself, because sometimes that involved pushing back mm. on them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was number one. And and when I had this realization in February 21, when I was kind of at the end of the treatment, um, and I knew, oh, crap, like the marriage is a, is a problem. Um, I just parked it. I mean, I literally parked it for a year and a half. I was like, I will sort that out when I get to the other side of this. Mm. So then it was just get through this cancer, you know, and there was always Microsoft, there was always my job. And that was so much stress being in communications at that company during the pandemic, because oh, from, you know, imagine. an employee perspective and customers, you know, they enabled people just as Zoom did and other companies to work. So there was so much from a communications perspective. It was like, got to do that. My husband was also furloughed the whole time because of what he does for right. a living. He wasn't working for 16 months, which was not helpful from uh, his self-esteem perspective and made the abuse escalate. Um, no excuse for that. It's just how it happened. Mm -hmm. So I just focused on what I had to, what was right in front of me. And it was always my health first. And then it was like, okay, like I said, get to that summer of 21. It's like, well, now what feels warm to you? I could not think about leaving the marriage. I was like, I'm not ready for that battle. I'm just not, I'm still working with a therapist. I'm still building that toolbox. So then it was like, just focus on the job. When is it going to be time to leave Microsoft and what is that going to look like? So I just broke all of these things down into like what's right in front of me, what's the priority and what feels warm to mm-hmm. me. It felt warmer to deal with the job. And then one day, like I said, one day the marriage was like, yep, okay. It's It was really producing here for me. The first two episodes I tell this story um, and marinating in it and processing it in a way that I hadn't really allowed myself mm-hmm. to that made me go, it's time to go. You really can't stay in this. Cause I just sort of embodied the message of choosing yourself and taking care of yourself, putting yourself first. So yeah, breaking it into little chunks was key. That's yeah. interesting that you bring, you talk about that because we've done a whole other episode um, called like you're losing me and just like deciding like when, how do you know like when to like leave a relationship? Because notoriously Hannah has left every relationship first, whereas I am the one that will, st- I stay until like we have burned the last piece of paper. Like there's nothing else kind of thing because I constantly yeah. just, I haven't recent I haven't dated in a while, but like in previous relationships, I would just like, you know, hope that maybe this one day will be the it'll it'll go back to how Mm -hmm. it was or something will change there'll be a shift in something and just holding on for that potential and Mm -hmm. I always admired how Hannah was just like nope like I know it's not working we're just we're done done. I'm not gonna try I've given it my all we're done we're good and I was like how do you do that I don't understand (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it's just I I had I've had to personally do like a lot of just inner work on myself. Mm -hmm. I would love to know, like, was there a lot of inner work that you had to do before getting to that decision? Or was it something where you were just learning as you go? Um, Kind of a combination of both. I didn't really know that what I was experiencing was abuse. Um, And my therapist was very careful to say, I don't diagnose anyone as a narcissist if they're not sitting. No, my therapist was the same way. My therapist was the exact same way. Behavior is consistent with narcissistic 
abuse. So we're just going to go with that. You're experiencing what 100% is characteristic of narcissistic abuse. Let's focus on that. Um, so it was February, 2021. Like I said, something, there was an incident, um, the night before my last cancer treatment, that was the last possible straw. And I, similar to you, Emily, I am also like, I've invested so much and long distance in 10 years. And, you know, just, you know, I, I, um, have accepted, I'm sure you have as well, because it sounds like you're similar breadcrumbs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and breadcrumbs show you potential. Yeah. Well, I've gotten it before, you know, I sort of liken it to the little mouse yep. that gets an intermittent reward. And it's just like, bing, 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 <laughs> just, you know, tapping on the yeah. bell. Yep. That was me for a very long time. Like I've seen this. I know that person is yeah. in there. Where did he go? Um, Where did he go? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just yeah. It's 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 uh you know how people like that walk through the world and how they get their needs met and then we don't get ours met yeah. at all. But that that last straw um, in February twenty one, I was like, I can't stay in this. And it was like all the everything drained out of me. All the love, all the emotion in that moment of what happened, I, it just drained out of me. And I felt a calm. I was like, I'm, I'm not staying with you. Mm. There's no way. I don't know when I'm going to be well enough. I don't know where I'm going on this cancer journey. It's my last appointment tomorrow. I don't know. I'm going to find out. It ended up not being good news, but I cannot stay in this. And I guess, um, you know, I started, I guess I talked to a friend in March. So the following month, and she was the one that suggested to me, this sounds like narcissistic abuse. And I've talked about this with a therapist about my mother, this woman's mm. mother. And she gave me this book to read. And I read the book and I was like, oh my God. And then that book led me to my therapist in LA that I worked with. Um, and I think it was really uh, a combination of the work that I did with that therapist, plus that moment in February of like, you cannot stay. But she really gave me the tools for you know, disengagement, gray rocking. Uh, we did somatic experiencing, helping me understand when my body was telling me things that I was ignoring because I would just let the brain interact. Oh, no, that's not really true. I don't have any evidence of it. Working in somatic experiencing, recognizing how that shows up in the body. She uh, does schema therapy as well. So understanding my schemas, which help uh, to sort of, you kind of, she says, you move them out of the driver's seat. You never totally get rid of a schema. Like one of mine is subjugating my needs, you know, in order to get a need met, um, you know, or to, or to just, you know, survive. Interesting. I've never heard of How that you before. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look up schema therapy. It's really, it's an interesting um, modality that she uses with PTSD survivors okay. and survivors of narcissistic abuse. So it was kind of, a, it was this combination. And then also I just, I had that last straw. I was like, uh, I don't think there's anything else. Now I will say like a year later, we did have this very honest conversation that I could not have had without um, a technique called journal speak. What is that? Um, Nicole Sachs. Um, it's a technique. And I think Gabby Bernstein calls it rage on the page, but Nicole <laughs> Sachs, who has a great podcast called cure. for Chronic It sounds like right up Hannah's alley. <laughs> it's right up her alley. You basically just barf out every horrible thing in your mind onto a piece of paper, whether it's written or a document on your computer and you don't save it or you tear it up and throw it away. It's just to clear all this and get all these yucky, awful feelings without judgment. Like, I hate this person. I hate all of, you know, just all this stuff that normally you're like, no, that's not true. I'm really blessed. Like, no, just barf it all out. I did that for probably a month in February, 2022 so that I could sit down with him and have a real conversation. Like this is not working. And I thought, I knew in my bones, like I got to go, but I think I needed to <laughs> kick the dead horse and yeah. just like one more try, one more try. And, you know, as expected, it did not go as I hoped it would. 
And then, yeah, August of 2020, 2022, I knew. And then it was like, okay, so what's the day that I'm going to have this conversation? Mm. And at that point, see, I was still kind of prone to being reeled in March of 22. September 22, like there's nothing. There's nothing you can do mm. to to convince yeah, me around. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think one thing I, you mentioned, and sorry, Hannah, that I'm talking so much. <laughs> Um, oh, I don't care. But one, You're fine. <laughs> one thing, <laughs> one thing um, that you mentioned that I kind of want to go back to, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think anybody who's definitely heard this story would also agree, uh, is that you really were like listening to like your intuition and your gut, and you were trying to mm-hmm. dis- like differentiate between your brain. Can you talk a little about like how you figured out like? how to like separate the two and just really start tuning in more to your intuition. Because I feel like a lot of people, they, they know that they have one, but they're, they don't know how to like actually like listen to it. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. I think there were a couple of techniques and one was somatic experiencing. My body is really good. Clearly look what happened to me, right? It's like, because I wasn't listening to subtle things over the years it talked, it literally sent up red flags, literally like red flags, red alarm on my skin and then attacked my tear duct. Like, sis, what do you need to like realize that you're ignoring your body is telling you when you're in an unsafe environment. And I don't mean physically unsafe. That is not what I was experiencing. And and people who are experiencing that it's a very different, but um, but emotionally and mentally. Yeah. But emotionally Mm -hmm. and mentally, it's like, you're not paying attention to um, you know, our, mo- our she taught me our emotions are a cue to where our needs aren't being met. And that is often where your intuition is speaking to you as well. This is not safe. You should not be here. Um, so I just started tuning into what my body would tell me, like, how come I'm clenched right here? Like, uh, how come I got GI stuff going on? What's going on right now? Um, and just really being mindful. Mindfulness is another thing that I just what's going on, tune in. Um, journal speak, huge. Like when I'm raging a lot, like where's that coming from? So I think just, you know, taking time to just sort of pause, stop and check in with yourself. Um, a lot, I think a lot of people don't want to do it more than don't know how to do it because the thing that it's going to tell you is probably not what yeah. you want to do. I've said before, I didn't want to leave my marriage. I didn't want to go through 10 years of investment, moving to San Diego, getting rid of all of our stuff, starting over and then have this happen. This is not the reality I wanted to have but I knew that I had to, to save myself. And, um, I've shared a a story before where, um, after I was declared cancer free, I sort of got a message. It was like a voice, you know, said to me, you had two wake up calls. You don't get a third next Mm. time you're done plucking you off the planet because you do not understand how to take care of yourself, how to advocate for yourself, how to follow the purpose that you know you were sent here to do as a writer, as a storyteller, as a messenger, as a healer. Um, You got to check in with that. So I think just, I think the biggest thing is learning to tap into your body. I think everybody's body is talking to them and they're just afraid to ask the questions because it probably means making some radical changes you don't want to make. Quitting the job, getting the job, starting a business, leaving the relationship. (laughs) getting into a yeah. relationship. Some people are avoidant, right? They're like, oh, I'm fine being sense. Like, no, you probably really should get into a relationship. That's another one. Um, but yeah, just, just letting your body speak. I love you. Hannah's reaction to that, that because the amount uh-huh. of conversations we've had recently in regards to career and whether or we should or should not mm-hmm. leave. 
and yep. her trying to tune into her body. So like, this is for you, sis. Yeah. This is for you. Yeah. Or, you know, meditation. I've, I I took a meditation course that was virtual um, with Diana Winston at UCLA. Oh gosh, it was such a great course. Um, so meditation mm. is great. It's just, what is everybody's modality? I walk, you know, four miles on Coronado Beach as often as I can. And that's, it's unbelievable how often that gets me back in touch with, I think I'm barefoot in the sand. So that's probably a big grounding, grounding force. Yeah. So just figuring out, yeah, how do you take time to stop, pause? All of my friends who are parents are like, shut up. You have no idea. You don't have any kids. I get that. (laughs) I'll give you some grace if you have children. Um, But in general, how do you make time? Because if you're, if you, what happened to me, you know, I, that's why I tell this story. I was not listening. I wasn't tapping in. I wasn't tuning in. I wasn't listening. I had literally dissociated, I think in my brain, because I believed this person loves me and I'm now married to this person. So I have this expectation and I was falling in love with the idea of something. And the other part of my brain is saying, there's no congruency between the experience you're having and what you think you should be having. And it's, it was literally like, I was completely dissociated so that I, I broke my own brain so that I wouldn't have to feel the level of trauma until my body said, <laughs> Here it is. we're going to show you a different yeah. way. Cause unless you want to die, you're going to like build your brain back together and start to advocate for yourself. Yeah. 1000%. I mean, I, I think we've done an episode with um, a girl named Allie Cates about um, trauma and like how it manifests like in the body. And it yeah. was a scenario that I, I had shared with her where I, I don't remember a lot from that like narcissistic toxic relationship because um, mm-hmm. I think my brain is also partially like protecting sure. me. But I do remember the yep. bat, some of the bad stuff that happened as like a warning, like, hey, this don't go back to this person. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I started noticing whenever I started dating again, different things that would manifest in my body. And one of them being whenever like a man would touch the back of my neck. It would send like needles down my spine. Like it was like a shiver in a not good way. And to where I had the most uncomfortable feeling in my gut. And I was like, like, they're just like, like they're being very gentle, just like caressing the back of my neck. Like, why do I feel like I want to like throw up right now? And it was just like my body just telling me like, this is not someone you like, why are you dating this person? This is not Mm -hmm. something you should be with. Like, just like we already know before you even know this is yes, not a good this totally. is not a good thing this is not a good match have you done somatic experience i have before? not have done i have not but now i'm like actually they, intrigued yeah it's and you can find people who are who are just practitioners in that my therapist it happens to be something she's certified in or whatever but it's one of her modalities but um one of the things she would have me do was um, have a, like, she would tap into a memory of something from a long time ago, something that just a, maybe it's an inkling of you, that's one you could use. Like why, you know, this, this person touching Mm -hmm. my neck and then it's almost like hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you start to remember all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, EMDR does the same thing. I've done EMDR. I don't know if you've done that. Yeah. It's very, it's very similar, but with somatic, you're really feeling it in your body and remembering this thing and, and how that, safety trigger is is registering um it was a little it's a it's traumatizing you have to have somebody who obviously knows how to walk you through it but that would be fascinating to explore if you felt safe with someone you know a therapist to do it yeah helps you tap into the message but you got it I mean you know this isn't a safe person so that oh yeah yeah learned that lesson very 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 quickly (laughs) (laughs) um did I want to learn it no um but um no but here we are and we're on the other side of it now (laughs) yes um I I know for me and I think 
Hannah, you've been this way like with your career, I think, where we are both like our harshest critics and mm-hmm. uh, never go easy on ourselves, like especially for my past. Um, did you ever face challenges with yourself when it came to building up self-compassion and like this almost like self-integrity like for yourself to like stick to this and um, like leave not only like your marriage, but also like your corporate job as well too? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that um, what got in my way all the time was a a sense of a low sense of self-worth. So I always had confidence in my ability as a writer or really anything that I did. I always had confidence in that, but I didn't think it was worth anything. Mm. And I didn't think I was worthy of love. I didn't grow up having unconditional love. I think a lot of people can relate to that. So I'm not trying to throw my parents under the bus, but, you know, it was very conditional on me behaving in certain ways and doing certain things um, and staying very rigidly in line. So I think I felt like I always have to meet everyone else's needs first and take care of everyone else's emotions. And is everybody okay? Like, is everybody happy? Oh my God. Not thinking I had any right to do that. I think one of the wake up calls for me on that was when I realized no one else actually does that for me. (laughs) So me thinking that this is like the way you have to walk through the world of like, oh, I I think I was raised to like, be kind to other people, make sure that person's okay. You got to help them, right? That's the, those are the messages that I got both overtly and covertly from my upbringing. And then one day, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago. It was probably four years ago. I went, nobody else does this. So I do this and then none of my needs get met. And I think I would get angry at other people because they weren't like reading my mind and meeting my needs because I was trying to do it for everybody else. So that was kind of, that's kind of the premise of here for me. I was like, and I learned this the hard way because my now ex-husband was not there for me in you know, he was there in like tactical ways, like took me to my appointments, but emotionally Just, yeah. and otherwise not there for me during, you know, it's like, it's like that um, cliche thing of if I had cancer, would this person be here? I actually had that experience. And, and that you was really learned. Lesson. <laughs> yeah, I really learned this person isn't going to take care of me. So I had to learn to advocate for myself, take care of all my healthcare needs. Um, you know, I'm like submitting claims to get reimbursed for stuff and appealing the insurance company. And I had friends who were going through cancer journeys who had partners who did that for them, particularly partners who were not working Mm. (laughs) at that time Mm. during the pandemic. I was like, I got one who's not working, doesn't have anything to do. Um, and is fucking around on Instagram. Instead of helping me with these claims. I'm getting a little, it's the end of the day. I usually do yeah. these interviews earlier. I'm a little saucy because I had time to think about it. But go ahead, keep making your videos on Instagram. It's fine. Um, and, it and seems way more important than, you know, I'm dying. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I'm, it's fine. I'm, fi- I'm battling cancer. Odds that I'm going to die from it aren't no great, but they, they are worried. You know, eye cancer, they do worry that it's going to go to the, the back of the eye, yep. to the brain and into your yeah. head and neck. That's very, very yeah. rare. Right. But when it came back, my doctor was like, this is aggressive. Now I'm worried. Um, so yeah, I mean, I learned that lesson the hard way. You can't take care of everybody else while you suffer. You're probably not even really doing a good job taking care of anyone else because you're pouring from an empty cup, right? We hear that metaphor a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Also that, you know, put your mask on before other people on the airplane and all that. So yeah, I struggled with self-compassion and self-integrity because I thought I wasn't worthy of it. I thought everyone else would do it for me because I was doing it for somebody else and then had to learn in a very harsh way that the person who should have been there for me was not. 
And then it was like, oh, you got to take care of you. You got to be here for you. Mm-hmm. And there we go. Full circle, right? There. And there's the show. <laughs> That's how the show came together. Yes, it is. I, I, I love that because I mean, like truly, I mean, you alone just advocating like for, to your doctors about your health. It's already like I commend you for that because that seems so incredibly like yeah, just interrogative and like just intense like I I, yeah. I I don't even know where I would begin with that and it would be I feel like I would be so harsh on myself because I'm also an only child Hannah being an eldest uh-huh. yes there really we is are, yes. no one else to advocate for me yeah there's you yeah totally and during the pandemic my now ex-husband couldn't come into any of my appointments which were like four oh hours God. long between MRIs and scans and pictures and the doctor poking me and then it would always end with this uh shot in my eye um, he wasn't able, he was only able to come into pre-op in the first surgery, September, 2020 mm. and post-op my final mm. surgery in April, 2021. So he never was there. Um, didn't want to be on FaceTime. You know, I was like, do you want to like be on FaceTime or speaker or something to ask questions? No, it's your thing. You got this. It's all good. Oh, that is so, so, I sat there that alone. so frustrating to me. One of my really good friends, like when her husband wasn't able to go to her appointments for like his work, like we would go with her and she was like, I just need somebody else mm-hmm. to be there because like when you hear things like that, you don't absorb it all or you like you hear That's something it. and then your brain is like 15 miles over here. Yep. And this person is going to be here to ask the questions and take the notes that like you're not able yeah. to absorb in that moment. Thousand percent. So That's really, that's really. Yep. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, that I, I I could have used that. I mean, especially, um, and I think I was. I feel, I feel like if, I mean, you're being told you're you might die. Like if I if <laughs> someone told me that, I'm not listen. I can't like, hear done. anything yeah, else. You me. can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like yeah. I mean, when my doctor said those words, which granted was at the end of this journey, and and you know, two months later that they, they had gotten all the cancer through this radical surgery I had, but um. Yeah, I mean, you're you're hearing those words. I I definitely am sure that I walked out of my appointments, probably unaware of fifty percent of what I was told because I was navigating it by myself. Yeah, mm. man, that's that's terrible. Wow, yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, um, was there ever a moment where like you were here, like you were getting like a lot of other people's like advice and mm. like trying to also listen to your own body and your own intuition at the same time? How did you like? tune that out because I struggle with that now where like I feel like I've you know told my just basic things like my dating life to like friends and then I get Mm -hmm. 5,000 opinions and I'm trying to filter out like okay is this what I really think or is this what everybody's just been like feeding me to think yes yeah I mean I didn't talk to a lot of people about what was Mm. happening in the relationship especially once it became quite egregious and I was ashamed of what I was in and especially like I just uprooted my whole life now granted I had a lifelong dream I'm from the Midwest originally grew up in Seattle I'd always wanted to live in New York and either LA or San Diego so I'd had my New York adventure I was like I'm going to SoCal this is great so I was excited to be here but still everyone else saw it as like you moved for your husband's job right like that I had done this move for him so I'm like, I've invested all of this. Um, and then now I realize this is an unhealthy, toxic dynamic. I didn't want to talk about it with a lot of mm. people. So it was a small group of friends that knew. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I had friends when it got pretty bad and I was just basically kind of using them as a sounding board of like, I need to talk about this that were like, Oh my God, you have to leave. You have to leave. Please divorce him. You can't do this. Um, I had two friends that staged an intervention on me that did not go well. And my therapist (laughs) said that only works in the case of physical domestic violence where someone needs to be pulled out because their life is in danger. Uh, you might be dying with, uh, through paper cuts, but um, that doesn't work. What it ends up doing is the, the people usually cut the friend out yep. of their lives mm-hmm. because it, and it adds to the shame. It's like, I already feel ashamed that I'm in it. And now you're basically telling me I can't get out of it. Like I'm not, they were literally saying things like, you know, you should get an apartment. And don't you wonder if there's another guy for you? And I was like, Oh my God. Like I had just gotten to the end of my cancer journey. I was like, you guys, I cannot think about this. Like, please don't bring Mm -hmm. this up. So yeah, I had a lot of people, especially once I was declared cancer free in June, 2021, people were like, okay, so let's go. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Next It's like, next thing is like, can I breathe for two seconds? That was, (laughs) and my therapist was so great. I talked in the second episode of here for me. She said, you cannot, the, the fight ahead of you when you leave this, because I had told her I do want to leave. And she was like, it's not my job to tell you to stay or go. I support you, whatever you want to do. But you cannot walk out on your hands and knees. You, you're crawling out on your hands and knees. The fight gets so ugly in this kind of a dynamic. You have to be strong. And you you just can't leave. At the, I fought cancer and now I'm going to do this. That's why I spent that summer and I thought leaving Microsoft feels really nourishing. I have good people there, yeah, great absolutely. leadership, supportive people who are going to cheer me on. I mean, I left in a week after giving my notice. I had two clients from Microsoft who were like, can I hire you when you're ready to go into business on one eleven twenty two, angel number one eleven. There you go. Um, I said, yeah, you got to give me a few months. I got to get to January 11th. But that felt nurturing and, and warm and like the right next thing. And I felt energized mm-hmm. pursuing that. The idea of, like I said, leaving the marriage I just wanted to collapse into a heap on the ground. So people pressuring me and giving me that advice of like, with all good intention and love, I knew the place that it was coming from. But I was like, guys, I already feel shame that I'm in it. Please don't make me feel ashamed because I'm not out of it. And most of them did say, you know what? You're right. It's not our job to tell you to stay or go. We'll support you whatever it is you want to do. But I also knew they were going to hit a point where they're like, I love you, but I can't hear about it anymore because I think you should go. So we just can't talk about it. And I didn't want to get to that place, but that was still not, I was like, I am 100% driving my own decision here. Cause I, I knew inside and I just knew it was a matter of timing. Yeah. 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 I remember vividly, uh, on my birthday, this now granted my relationship not in the same level as to what yours probably was because it was the length of it infinitely shorter than um a seven-year marriage (laughs) 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 i i remember this there was a whole incident huge fight happened on my birthday i'm sobbing i'm crying i'm trying to put on a brave face when all my friends are around and then he left and I start sobbing again. And all my, all my friends just like, oh, my God, you can do so much better than him. Like, blah, blah, blah. Trying to help, like, like, mm-hmm. like, cheer me up. It does not help. Hannah sitting in the corner, silent, just knowing that everything <laughs> that everybody is saying, I am not listening to at all. Nope. She's like, you nope. guys can say this all she wants. She's not going to do it until she is ready. Like, She's yeah. got to be, that is it. You have to be ready. You really mm-hmm. do have to be ready because when you, I think we were talking about that, when you leave before you're ready, you're going to go back. Yep. So, oh, you know, I did it's that. just <laughs> twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So she did have some stuff. And then stuff the third time she was I was like, done. <laughs> boom. 
Okay. Okay. That's yeah. So, you know, from firsthand yeah. experience. Yeah. When you're <laughs> no. not, when you're not ready and you feel the pressure from other people to do it and then you do it on their terms, yeah. you end up going back mm-hmm. because, well, at least for me, I wanted to prove them wrong. So, and that's, yes. the, you know, the pride in me. And then the third yes. time I was like, you know what? This is not it. This is not it, but it's fine. It working. led to my husband and we're great. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and you aligned with the path you were supposed to align yes. with. So I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I think one like one one last thing that I would love to end this on. Um we always kind of like end every episode like on a survival tip. Uh I would love mm-hmm. to know uh, if someone wanted to really like start focusing more on their intuition, listening to their gut mm-hmm. more, listening to their body more, uh how would you advise them just to baby steps begin? I think um, it's kind of on the thread of, of the resilience piece of it, but it also can help with this, which is allow yourself to feel what you're feeling when it happens. That is something I need to take to my, as my survival <laughs> because I'm notorious for yeah. just intellectualizing my emotions instead yeah. of feeling them. Yeah. I learned that the hard way in my early thirties with another relationship of speeding through it because I wanted to show everybody that I was a big, strong warrior, badass. And I didn't allow myself to feel the emotions. And it hit me at a time that was very inopportune. I don't want it at this time. This person should not be dealing with what I'm going through right now. It's not their fault. So it came out all on the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was really, I think the key to how I was resilient through this is I just let myself feel through everything. The skin thing was more of a shit happens. I don't know. I got to get through it. What weird timing. Isn't that crappy? Um, so I didn't really feel a lot with that. I just literally felt like it was going to be a fluke thing. And I got to the other side of it, but when the cancer happened, I knew I needed to leave the job. I knew to start this podcast. It was emotional and the marriage. I just let myself feel every single thing, the full gamut of emotion. And you know, it's probably been said before, but you actually get through it much faster. And I'm somebody that wants speed and efficiency. Like how quickly can we get through this emotion, please? So if you just let yourself feel through it, (laughs) yeah, you're going to, it's going to be so much, it's going to be really hard, but it's going to be hard for a much shorter period of time. And uh, something I I often say to people is you cannot find the silver lining until you look at the cloud. Mm. You have to see the cloud. You can't just pull a silver lining out of nothing. So mm-hmm. look at the cloud, feel the yuck, be in the muck, feel it, fall into it, journal about it, cry, feel all your yucky emotions, your anger, scream and yell. I screamed and yelled when they confirmed my cancer diagnosis, like to the point I'm surprised I live in a high rise in downtown San Diego. Someone didn't call me. <laughs> like what is going I was, on? My, my now ex-husband was gone for the day and I was like, I'm just going to scream yeah. and cry. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to feel yeah. this because I'm so angry. This is fucking happening to me. So I moved through that. And then, you know, yeah, like I said, journal everything that you have, that you have to do to feel those emotions. And then you are able to, and, and I really believe it made me resilient because when I needed to show up to my appointments, there was, I wasn't bottling anything up. I'd already felt it. And I was just open. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ready to heal. I'm open to the treatment. I'm open to what the doctor needs from me. Um, I've, you know, kind of gone through, you know, this grieving process. And then that allowed me to, I think, you know, become resilient because I knew I could survive all that. That's, I I needed to hear that for this week because I, like earlier this week, I was angry at someone and I immediately wanted to apologize for being angry. And I was like, no, I'm allowed to, you messed up something. I'm allowed to be angry. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. You can always, I think you can always apologize about like the way that maybe we handle yeah. something, right? Like, I'm sorry I was angry and I'm not saying you did this, but like I, I lost my shit on you and I, that wasn't appropriate. I'm sorry, but I'm still mad about yes, the thing. Right. And I, and yeah. I am, that is a valid emotion. I'm allowed to be that I'm allowed to be hurt, angry, whatever it is. Um, clear as kind as Brene Brown likes Ooh. to say. So just being clear yeah. about that. But I think all of that, to your point about intuition, I think when you just allow yourself the space, like again, meditation, journaling, walking yeah. on the beach, walking anywhere, being quiet, whatever it is, uh, music's a big thing for me. Music helps me get in touch with my mm. intuition. Driving with music is like my favorite thing. I don't know. Um, Driving apparently puts you into state of flow, assuming we're all paying attention and not texting. Yes. Um, yeah. And being present in it. But yeah, being present with yourself, allowing yourself to feel what happens, I think is the key to tapping into your intuition and becoming resilient because you, you consciously experience what you're experiencing and you know you can survive. So when you know you can survive something, you're like, I can survive anything now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was so great to talk to you about this. I feel like we really connected and like we're able to like, I mean, I hope everyone like hears your story and is just inspired by it and they go and listen to your podcast, mm -hmm. which I want to give you the chance to like have the mic, tell people where they can find you, where the podcast is at, um, mm -hmm. all the details. Yeah. The podcast is called Here For Me, H-E-R-E, -E, like being here for yourself. Um, it's on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, I'm online, uh, NicoleChristie.com. I'm on Instagram, Nicole J. Christie, also Facebook. Um, so yeah, you can connect with me in any of those ways. We always promote all of the episodes on Instagram and Facebook and also LinkedIn. I'm there too. So yeah, those are, um, listen to the show. I hope it resonates with people. Share it, like it rate review, all the things that you guys are familiar <laughs> with of helping to get the word out. Yeah. But my intention as a storyteller and someone who sees themselves as a messenger is really to facilitate healing through words. Mm -hmm. And I hope that here for me is doing that. And um, I hope that people find healing and resonance through it. Great. Thank you so yes, much, Nicole. Thank you for coming so on. much. Really enjoyed thank this. you both. <laughs> this was wonderful. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. Yeah.